You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. Hey, Leveling Up listeners, just a quick heads up that our YouTube channel is continuing to grow. So just type in Leveling Up Eric Sue on YouTube and you should find it. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and you'll get more videos over there. And without further ado, back to the episode. All right, everyone. Today we've got Josh Robbins, who is the co-founder of IMI. It's real-time animation creation from your phone. That's oversimplifying things. I'm going to let Josh explain more in a second. But the cool thing is this. If you're watching on video right now, you can see Josh's bored ape. And you can see, like, in a second, he's going to be talking and all that. And you can actually see, like, the gestures and then also kind of the just everything, right? You can see all the cool things. But Josh is actually, he also prior co-founded a company called uh, America's Best 401k then eventually sold it. And, you know, he's loves investing private equity stuff as well. So he's very well rounded. Now he lives in Nashville, Tennessee. But also, I forgot to mention that he is the son of Tony Robbins, who is, I think to me, he's like the king of personal growth. And so I've I've always enjoyed Tony Robbins myself. And we'll, we'll get a little bit into that as well. So Josh, first and foremost, how are you? Hey, what's up, buddy? How are you? I'm doing well. You, you know what's interesting? I'm doing a podcast as a board eight, number 1398. It feels like you talking, like you're kind of going into the board eight persona a little bit, just like the vibe. Do you, do you feel that? Sometimes you do that, you know, because it, it pulls you out of your shell. You know, it's kind of like a little bit of cosplay, digital cosplay, if you will. We actually think that's one of the huge benefits of this technology called Emmy. So we're really excited about this. Cool. So tell so us I'll a little more about Emmy. Yeah, sure. So, you know, Emmy was actually started as a an opportunity after I sold my company. I've always been in the world of, of finance, private equity, investing, love to invest in interesting companies and had an opportunity to invest in an animation studio in Los Angeles called AMGI Studios. And it's a bunch of Pixar and DreamWorks and Disney guys who set out to build the fastest animation studio in the world. You know, it shouldn't take four years to make Toy Story. It should take a year, right? So that was kind of their premise. And they built some really interesting animation tools. And together, we partnered to build Emmy, which was, how do we allow the world to create animated content in real time? Because, you know, we all know that casual creators dominate the world, podcasts, you know, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, but they've never had the ability to create animated content. And now you're even seeing virtual tubers and VTubers pop up around the world and creating content in real time, but they're doing it with expensive software and you know, animation rigging, and you got to have really strong expertise in 3D files. I said, well, what if we could just create a world of characters and allow people to embody those characters and do it in real time using just their facial expression from their mobile phone, kind of like Animojis, but like on steroids times a thousand. And then it was like, what if we could take those characters and you could drop them in augmented reality and you could bring those characters with you and you could make them walk and run and jump and do fun things in, in space. So it became this way of like, you know, we look at the world around us and look at how many fanatics there are that interact with characters, whether it's, you know, anime or superheroes or Comic-Con and Marvel and DC. And we love characters because they embody personas that maybe we wish we had or personas that we want to be more of or it embodies the hero's journey story that we that we connect with. So animation is this universally loved language that we love to connect with, but we've always, it's always been a one-way street, right? From Hollywood to us, we're kind of flipping that script. We're saying, you know, let's let, let's let people be the creators of animated content and they can do it in real time and bring joy and levity to this world when God knows we need it. 
And so what would be like some real life examples, like real life use cases right now? I shouldn't say real life. I mean, it's kind of like a merging of, of the two, but you just showed like your yeah, boarding, right. right? Like what are some other examples of maybe businesses or brands using this? Yeah. So there's right now we're in the creator mode. So like we're right now, a lot of casual creators are using it, but I've seen people use it to in real estate. I've seen real estate agents use it where they're literally taking tours of homes uh, with a character and putting that character in space. I've seen all sorts of really interesting use case, people promoting all sorts of different things. But then you see like super entertaining and funny things where people are singing karaoke and they're doing all sorts of funny, hilarious things with it. And then next month, we're actually launching. So that's called Emmy, Emmy.io. And then we're launching Emmy Stream next month. And Emmy Stream is really the, the one I just demonstrated, which is the ability to stream and communicate in character. Because not everybody's a creator. Not everybody wants to create content, post content. I'd say most people don't. They just are more... They like to watch content, but everybody communicates. So for us, Emmy Stream is going to be interesting because you'll be able to use anything that you can use a, a external camera with. So like Zoom, Twitch, you know, there's all these gamers that are gaming all day long and they're streaming a kind of side off camera view of themselves, which isn't all that interesting, right? So you can stream in character. You can imagine teaching in character with all this remote learning, doing a podcasting character. Maybe uh, you, you know, you're traveling and you want to read your daughter a bedtime story and she's on the other side. Instead of just doing it on FaceTime, maybe you could do it through, through a character and, and make it fun and exciting. So there's all sorts of use cases as to how this could be used in the, in the future, including Web3 aspects and NFTs and as we saw with the Bored Apes, and we can dive more into that too. And so, I mean, I, I think it looks great. I think I think you showed me a, a couple of examples and then this actually being added into games too, right? So where do you see this all going long-term? Because you hear, you know, obviously there's a lot of people, I think Meta is going to continue to lose money on the metaverse for a while, right? So I think a lot of this long-term, I think a lot of stuff I don't think is going to succeed, but I actually think yours, yours will, right? So where do you see it going and how do you see you guys being different? There's a couple of things. I think that the technology primarily has to drive people together. It has to create community has to be fun and interesting. And I think so when you look at avatars, like most avatars, like a, a personal version of yourself, isn't all that interesting. I mean, there was memojis and all these things where you maybe spend some time to make something that looked like you and then you stop use it once or twice and you stop using it. But, you know, to me, I look at the when you can embody a character and have fun with the character and choose from a variety of different characters, it just creates a whole new world of imagination. It creates subversion. Like you said, I'm, I start to embody the persona a little bit. I start to come out of my shell maybe a little bit. You know, I think people like to to feel empowered. So I think characters give people that that veneer to hide behind a little bit in a positive way. So I think that that's going to be the starter is to these technologies need to be there's a lot of quote unquote metaverses and these metaverse environments are are primarily built on speculation because they look like they were built in 1997. They don't have any any visual nothing's interesting about them at all. And my partners at AMGI Studios, we're, we're building this extension of, yes, you have the app for content creation and for streaming, but then there's also the immersive worlds that we're building. And I wouldn't even go so far as to call it a metaverse because I don't really think a metaverse truly exists today. It's really an immersive world that can be a gaming environment. It can be a shopping environment, but it's a world in which you can interact with other characters. And instead of uh, like Fortnite, where you're just, you know, it's just shoot them up. Uh, what we do is actually we have the same we actually use the same unreal engine but we actually map your expression to the character's face so when you see another character in that environment it's your face talking it's your voice and how you're interacting with that person and there might be times when you go in that world and you go and play games there might be times in that world where you go shop there might be that you know where you actually maybe you go into a movie theater and you actually stream something together you watch something together 
someone does karaoke and you all laugh, you meet up with your friends in these environments. So that's what I think is going to win is immersive worlds that actually bring people together and are interesting and fun that aren't built just on price speculation of something going up in value. Cool. And I guess I'm curious too. I mean, you you have a so you have the studio of just people that have been there, done that, you know, Pixar people. I, I guess aside from kind of the collabs that you're doing right now, let's say Board Ape Yacht Club or any of these other maybe games or other brands, how are you guys marketing this thing? How are you guys getting more awareness? A couple of things. One, it starts with community, right? It starts with it actually started with an NFT collection called My Pet Hooligan, which is eight hundred eight thousand eight hundred and eighty-eight of these really unique, fun hooligans that are battling Meta Zuck Corp and Zuckbots in the in a virtual world. We ended up building this world called the rabbit hole. And the rabbit hole is this, this immersive world where first it was the, the NFT owners who got a chance to be in there. And then it was, yeah, but we don't want to create a walled garden. So we want anybody to be in there. So anybody can get a, a quote unquote hall pass and kind of be a generic character and have fun and be in this environment. But really that was what I'll call the, our kind of Trojan horse because that world is really kind of one of many worlds we're going to build and allow we're building an SDK, software development kit for other people to build. And so if you can imagine like a honeycomb is kind of the way I like to think of it. Each one of these worlds is distinct, but connected and interoperable. And so when brands are looking at Web3, I think you've seen a lot of missteps by brands and saying, you know, how do we get involved in, in Web3? And a lot of them are doing, you know, really silly things, frankly, just trying to make, you know, get a press release out there and people hiring chief metaverse officers and all this stuff. But it's to me, I look at this and I say, you know, if, I, if I'm a brand, I want to go where the people go. So we need to have a world that's fun to be in, whether it's Web 2 or Web 3, a place where we, people don't have to have to use the Web 3, you know, hooks. You don't have to have an NFT. You don't have to use crypto. You can maybe just go in for fun. Maybe you can buy things with fiat currency and, you know, use your credit card, just like the regular world. But I think with brands, I think brands can do a variety of different things. So I think brands can choose to say, hey, you know what? We want to create characters that we want to sell, right? Obviously, animation studios can do that. And maybe those characters aren't NFTs. Maybe they're just in-app purchases. And maybe some brands say, you know what? We don't have IP. We're Starbucks. We don't have characters. But maybe what we could do is we could reward people you know, with gift cards for being in that environment or doing a certain task, right? So it's got to feel authentic to the real world as to how brands can get involved in these virtual worlds instead of just maybe buying a piece of land and throwing up a fake, you know, billboard or something like that. So I think it's so early. I think it's going to be really interesting to see where the world goes with this. And I think, but more importantly, it's got to be fun and interesting. I mean, I, I don't mean to, I hate to disparage anybody, but it's, it's unfortunate to see, you know, Meta spending billions and billions. And, you know, even I saw a headline yesterday that they're having trouble because even their employees don't want to be in that environment. They're not playing in that environment. They're not having fun with it. It's not interesting. And I also think one last thing, and then I'll I'll shut up for a second here, is that is is the all-in bet on VR. And I think that's a mistake. I think Tim Cook came out and said he thinks that's also a mistake. He thinks really mixed reality, mixed AR wearables, maybe, is really where that will help you live your regular life in a maybe more interesting way. And so we haven't banked on any one direction. We're saying, look, right now you can you go in on a PC or you go in on a, a mobile phone. And maybe in the future, yes, maybe some people will use VR. Some people will use mixed reality, but I don't think, I think people have made big bets, kind of binary bets that it's going to be a certain way. And I'm not so sure that that's, that's very smart. I mean, there's a lot of like black and white going on right now where gray is probably the answer. I mean, I grew up playing a lot of games, right? I mean, I, I lived this stuff, right? You know, playing 
World of Warcraft or EverQuest. I mean, I spent years of my life in these in these worlds, right? And like everything yeah. that you're like that we're seeing right now is is really not that great. And so, like you know, who knows what's going to happen? But I will tell you, like you know, all the hours I spent playing in college or high school or whatever, it still doesn't beat real life. And so, like I I do agree. Probably the AR angle is probably one of the the grade the in between that works out. And then yeah. speaking of devi- divisive for a moment too, like. I actually personally hate the whole web two versus web three dichotomy thing, because to me, it's just the internet, you know, next five, 10 years or so. Right. So what is your take on it? Because I just find it like, you know, when web three people tell web two people have fun staying poor, I just don't find it to be that productive. So I even find myself cringing when I say web three. So it's become a very, well, I mean, especially now, right. When everything's down off, you know, off 95% plus, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you can't really say the state stay poor comment doesn't go so far anymore. <laughs> you know, here's what I think. I think people are tribal, right? They love to, they, they, they're tribal and they're naturally self-righteous. So they love to get in these tribes and look down on the rest of the people. I think my opinion is that Web3 is just simply digital ownership. That's all it is. Let's figure out, we've figured out a way, a mechanism, the blockchain where you can own your assets. And so for all that time that you spent in World of Warcraft and all these time that these kids play Fortnite and buy these skins and have nothing to show for it, now it's just a mechanism by which you can actually own those skins, so to speak, right? And maybe you can sell those skins. So I think this is just like the super early on days. And it's unfortunate because it's got it's got mixed up into crypto and then it's then then it's then it's become sound money theory and then it's become religion, right? As to this is the way the world has to be, and we're gonna get rid of the dollar and it's only gonna be Bitcoin, and then you get the maximalist mentality. Now, the flip side to that is sometimes that maximalist mentality is what drives progress and innovation forward. But, you know, it's kind of like the early stages of the Internet. Right. I mean, so how many of these will ever be around? Right. And I think Google is the 11th search engine. Right. So I think there's a lot of ass Jeeves out there right now. Right. That are (laughs) going to be around. And so I just feel like don't get caught up in Web3. Just get just get excited about the fact that there's a mechanism now by which you can have digital ownership. And yeah, it might not be worth a $100,000 you know, profile picture. That's not the point. The point is, is that you actually could own your $10 skin and resell it to your buddy and get your $10 back, right? Like, so, so that's the point. Let me ask you a question, just out of curiosity, like which of these like blue chip NFTs, if any, like a board a yacht club or crypto punk, which one do you think actually has staying power? And like in 10, 20 years, if you were to speculate, how much do you think one will be worth? I think probably crypto punks will probably be always be the OG and board apes. I think they have, you know, I think they've got a, a longer road ahead because I think they've got a very limited, a limited group and been to board ape yacht club events and the ape fest and some of those things. And I think, again, the, the cohesiveness of that of the community is going to be what drives it forward. But I kind of just don't have a super optimistic view of what they're going to be worth in the future. I think it kind of, to me, it feels like internet stocks in the early days, I think they might be worth a few thousand bucks here and there. I just don't think they're, they're going to be worth hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. I just yeah. don't. And then that people might be mad at me for saying that. I just, I think that when you really take the utility into into account, like, what do I get out of this, right? At some point... You've got to justify the intrinsic value of buying something for $150,000, right? If I spend $150,000 on a Porsche, I'm going to get a lot of fun and driving experience out of that. But if I spend $150,000 on a board ape, what am I going to get? What am I getting back, right? And to, is it just a ticket to Ape Fest? Is it, what is it, right? So to me, I think NFTs are going the direction of much lower price and much higher volume, right? So there's going to be, collections where, oh my gosh, I can buy this NFT character for a hundred bucks and it allows me a ticket into this game, right? And then I'm in this game or I'm in this virtual world 
And because I own this NFT, I get priority access to a concert that's going to be inside this game or whatever it is. So I just think it's going to just, this whole profile picture thing was, I just think the tip of the spear to blow open what NFTs are. And in a good way, it opened up kind of people's minds and it became a buzzword and got a lot of people educated on what on blockchain. But I just don't have a vision for these big blue chip projects being, you know, a good place to store value long-term. Yeah. So I, I agree with you for the most part. I, I I do think if like we're talking about like art history, I think CryptoPunks, if there's going to be one that's going to be worth something long term, it's probably that one right. just because historical significance. Let me ask you this too. So we mentioned apes already a couple of times, but what are some other brands that, that Emmy's working with right now? Well, on the Web3 side, the AMGI is working with My Pet Hooligans. They're also working with Doge Pound. That's the next group that's going to, they're, they're bringing into the, into the world. Because again, what's happening is you, you're seeing a lot of these NFT collections not know where to go, right? To, after they've created community and utility, you know, they people are excited about it. What's next? And so bringing those characters and that character fanatic group into a virtual world that creates some, you know, keeps the community going, if you will, that's going to be the next one. And there's about 12 other big communities beyond that that are excited about it. But I would also say that it's beyond just the NFT collections. We're actually having really cool conversations with, for example, a major, major K-pop groups. So Coldplay is actually an investor in, in AMGI Studios as well. So like we've got access to some very interesting entertainment groups where they're saying, hey, we want to build these in, immersive worlds for our characters. Our, I mean, for our fan base. And they can be represented by kind of characterized versions of us or versions of themselves. And we can do concerts in there. So think of it as like the fan, fan club 3.0. Right. Where holy cow. Now, if you and then if you're if you're in one of these worlds and you maybe buy one of these characters to get into one of these worlds, you maybe get pre-release. You can build concert venues in these worlds where you can release there first before you release it on YouTube or somewhere else. So you get to hear it first. So there's all sorts of really cool conversations we're having. We're also having conversations with gaming studios, but also traditional Hollywood studios are starting to come around and trying to figure out, you know, maybe the next Marvel, the next DC will not be born from the top down. It'll be the bottom up. So you'll create a collection of characters. You create a community of character fanatics. And then all of a sudden, those character fanatics, that becomes merch. And then, then it becomes a feature film or a streaming series. And maybe even those people that were in early get to participate in some of the revenue that's generated. So all of a sudden, you're getting royalty. So there's those are new revenue models that are even being explored um, by us and, and by other studios. So that's that's pretty exciting. Are you able to name some of these like Web2 Studios brands? I can't really name them yet. So we're on the cusp of some big stuff, but we'll we'll get there. I promise. Okay. Follow so us. Have, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on. We, all we have. Cool, I'm just trying to help people visualize it a little bit, right? So like it's it's like because right now a lot of this is very conceptual, right? And and so you know the K-pop. Let's just say it's BTS. I'm just making things up right now. And then. Uh, you know, you mentioned Coldplay, right? So people are probably wondering, like, how do you even set up these types of brand deals from a marketing standpoint? Are you just reaching out cold? Is it like through your network or are you doing like anything different here? I think putting out amazing content and being prolific in what we put out. If you go to Twitter, follow the My Pet Hooligan account, you'll be blown away at like the level of engagement, the level of consistent content we're putting out that's engaging the community, that's hilarious and funny. And that I think is, that's attracting brands to us. So it's kind of a poll mentality. So when brands come through and then we, we'll, we've brought through numerous, everybody from Nickelodeon to Disney, you know, brought them through the studio to see what we're doing. And then when they see what we're doing, they start to think about, oh my gosh, how could we utilize our properties uh, within these worlds? And a lot of these studios just aren't built to do that. So 
the nimbleness of our studio is 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 kind of where we're we're thriving. We're kind of this triad of animation expertise and Pixar and you know ILM and all this DNA mixed with blockchain expertise, mixed with Unreal and gaming expertise and environment expertise. And when you put all those three together, it just be, creates this kind of cauldron of magic that big bureaucratic studios aren't able to do or brands able to able to replicate. Even the most creative ad agencies don't have those capabilities. So we, we're kind of in just that unique position where you know we, we've got the skill set to pull it off and an awesome team. And uh, so we're, we're really grateful for that. And do you see this as like a, like a next Pixar or is that the wrong way to look at it? I would just say it's an evolution of Pixar. I think the, the traditional studios will always be there. They'll always be following the formula that's made them billions and billions of dollars, right? Create a property, you know, drive it down, create merch, drive it home, do number one, do number two, do number three, you know, you need to create a franchise and then move on to the next one. So like that will always be there. But I do think that this is a new studio model where the community is driving the engagement the community has access through Emmy, like I just showed you, to create characters, uh, to, to drive the characters and create content. So like, what, here, here's a perfect example. I've had a conversation with Illumination Studios and said, you know, if you think about it, Minions, why wouldn't you want everybody to become a Minion before the movie, next movie comes out? So it can be, it's complementary to your traditional approach where this is a flood the feeds game. If you now give everybody access to the ability to create minion content using just their facial expression and drop minions in AR and you know you run a creator contest where everybody can create everybody creates content and the winners get to go to the red carpet and you highlight them and all of a sudden now you're flooding the feeds with thousands of millions of videos of hilarious minion content. Now, where they get a little hung up is they go, oh my gosh, well, what if what if they say something or do something and is this character in the wrong way? You know, they kind of have, they, they've got their hands really tight around their IP and, and what's being said. So I think it's going to take some ambition and some courage to allow for studios to say, you know what, we're going to let the world run with this and have fun with this because, and let's see where it goes. But I, I think there's a new model to get back to your question. There's a new model being created in real time here and none of us really know what it looks like exactly but we're having fun kind of being part of what it, what we want it to look like love it all right so i, I have to ask you to appreciate we we're talking about this i mean you know the fact that you grew up with tony robbins as your father i, I won't even call him the king of personal growth i'll call him the god of personal growth so <laughs> so i mean how was it growing up with tony as as your dad like what are some stories that you think made your childhood unique i don't have a unique childhood but i think when you grow up in that environment he married my mom when i was five uh, years old. So when you're that young and you're in that environment, you don't know any different. So it doesn't feel unique until you look back and you maybe compare it with your with your friends. And, and wow, yeah, I, I had a very unique childhood. But I think like any kid, you don't you don't listen as much and you don't appreciate it. You're what your parents teach you and the, the lessons they gave you until you get older. And so you know when I one thing that was incredible is that I always my dreams were always fostered. You know we're always kind of we're always encouraged the possible, you know, being a possibility thinker, being resourceful, the constant move towards emotional intelligence, which I value so much more now. And as we look around this world, I see less and less of, which I think is the core of our, uh, of many of our issues and the strife in this country is lack of emotional intelligence. And so I feel so grateful that I was given those resources and those tools at an early age, and then learn to embody them as an adult later on. And so that to me is probably the biggest, the biggest gift is to be in the, in the vicinity and impact of him and watching him grow. And then, and just 
just the, I can also remove myself because he's such a unique soul. I can look at him and say, he's probably one of the most impactful people on the, on the planet and say, you know, and I can remove myself and people go, well, that's a big shadow, you know, to stand in. I, I just step aside. I don't need to stand in that shadow. I don't, no one should stand in that shadow. It's too big. Just enjoy the fact that you got to be in that environment, that vicinity and for who he is and what he's brought to this planet is, is awesome. So you know, we have a really great friendship, you know, for a long time, I went into the, I went out into the financial services world straight out of school, totally different space than what he was in, which was great for me. Cause I was doing my thing and he was doing his thing. And then later on, we came together and uh, joint ventured on some stuff when I was an adult and had already had success. And so it was fun to, to all of a sudden now come back and do business together. So I'm one of the, I'm the only, you know, one of our, one of the, my siblings that is in business with him. And so it's fun. We do a lot of really awesome things together. We invest together. We, you know, we're always having a blast and making impacts together. And, and so it's such a blessing it really is. Okay. So I have to press you on this one a little bit. So tell me like a, a unique story, like something where it's just like, after you, after you grew up, you're just like, okay, that was really unique that he did. He's got to have implanted like so many different games and tactic strategies in there. He is the ultimate in creating possibility and opening that door to possibly and and not ever taking a no for an answer. So I remember one time we went to a Michael Jackson concert, our family. We were late. So he we were coming, we were coming from San Diego. So he said, we're just gonna get a helicopter, which is, you know, first of all, you gotta think outside of the box. We're gonna get a helicopter. So we go, we, we fly up there. Pilot says, Where are we landing? At the airport. And he says, No, 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 we're not land, we're gonna land in the parking lot. He says, You can't just land in the parking lot. You have to actually have a permit to do that kind of stuff. And he says, No, 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 just set us down. Okay, set us down the field next to the to the venue. Next thing you know, we're we're literally landing in a field behind a fence and in the middle of it, behind this venue, behind this concert venue, we're walking down through the fence. There's a security guard. It's locked. The security guard's there. He talks the security guard into letting us in and then taking us backstage to where we got to meet Michael Jackson back then. It's just the craziest story that like the possibilities are always there and there's never limitations. And like, those are kind of the super fun, just kind of wild and crazy stories. But everything from you know diving with sharks to you know skydiving when I was sixteen to all sorts of really fun things that we had an opportunity to do, and the people that I got to meet and the people I got to interact with, and you know the places I got to travel, I got to go to school in Switzerland overseas. I mean, I got to do some just an amazing, some amazing opportunities because of him and because of what he's created. And beyond the crazy stuff and the fun stuff is the impact, right? So. You know, Tony tells a story, you know, when he when he was a child, he was did very little food. They were very poor. He was, uh, gosh, I want to say 10 or 11 years old. He had a, his family didn't have the food for Thanksgiving and a random stranger showed up at the door with groceries. It changed his life because he realizes that strangers can care. And so he should care about strangers. So by the time he was 17, he did the same thing. He went out and fed a family for Thanksgiving, one family. Next year, he goes, I, I should do a couple. So he got groceries for two, went to the grocery store, filled up his cart. Here he is 18 years old. I was when I was 18, I wasn't thinking about that kind of stuff. Mm. So, and he fed two families. And then the next year was four. And then it was like, oh my gosh, I need some help. So I got some friends. And then it was like, I can't fit all this in my car. I'll get a van. And you fast forward to where he built this thing called that you delivered in baskets. And he built this thing called the Basket Brigade. And now it's uh, I think there's over a million people a year that participate in the Basket Brigade to feed multiple families. So now it's millions of people every year during Thanksgiving are getting fed. And it's just, it's just this incredible impact, you know, that it just takes by putting one foot in front of the other and putting others in front of you. Great stories, man. Thank you for that. And so 
what I got from that too is, is, you know, I don't know how, how many siblings there were, but it, it sounds like the expectation was just really like open your mind to the, all the possibilities, but like, he didn't expect you, any of you to be like an entrepreneur, right? No, no, not at all. He always expected us to, to put our best effort forth, but he never expected us to be like him mm-hmm. or, you know, do, do what he does. So there wasn't that, that level of pressure, which I thought was great. You know, it was just that we got, we had the freedom to decide what was best for us and what we liked. And he appreciated all of our differences. My sister was a, went to Broadway. She was a dancer when on Broadway, she was 19 years old. So, I mean, we, we all, we're all very different. I just happened to be cut from that entrepreneurial cloth, which I think you just are, or you're not started my, my, my first company pretty early on. So he really gave us that freedom and flexibility and, and, and then the resources and the tools, but never, never giving it to us. I remember actually a funny story. I was, I was probably 19, 18 or 19. And we were with a friend and one of his friends was talking to him and I happened to be in the vicinity and he, and his friend was talking about a, a trust fund for his kid. And Tony looks at me and he says, just so you know, you do not have a trust fund. <laughs> and, and, it, and it was great. He just wanted me to know that like, Hey, you're going to do this on your own, my friend. So he was always very supportive, but never doling out any you know money or anything like that. He was just all, he was, he, but as supportive as he could be. I think he was smart. He didn't want to spoil us rotten and ruin us, which happens to a lot of kids that grow up with resources. Yeah, I mean it, it's the whole like you know if you don't understand how to earn money, you don't understand how to wield the the power of it. And so like I, it's better to teach a man to fish, right? So that's what he did. Yeah. Josh, I'm curious, like, what is in your your learning stack? Because I mean, you, I think you went from from finance to startup founder to now you're in the now you're in Web three. So, like, what's in your learning stack? What are you consuming? Oh my gosh, I'm constantly listening to podcasts. I'm constantly listening. To, I'm sure all the ones that everybody likes on here, Rogan and All In, and all the all the typical stuff. I love to read, and I actually love to write as well. So I do a lot of writing. I love private equity. I mean, I, I love, I think it's fascinating to me. The world of private equity is, is a fascinating world. It's something that in the finance world, you don't, you don't understand how big it is and how powerful it is. And every great public company was once a private company. I don't know if you know this, the amount of market cap in public companies in, is about one fourth of private equity net asset values these days. So you just, it's dwarfed public companies and public companies are shrinking because now you don't really have to go public, right? So I just see that all the opportunity and all the brilliance and all the really smart minds are in the private equity space. So I love learning because I love adding value and I love that that business side of things. So anyway, that's and I love to keep diversity. I like to learn all sorts of different things and just keep my mind excited, interested. Are you going to be scooping any companies in in this upcoming or current recession? You know, I'm involved in a I'm on the board of a group called Caz Investments, C A Z Investments out of Houston. It's a private equity firm that is doing some very interesting stuff in the private equity space. And yeah, there's going to be some really interesting opportunities. I think valuations are actually going to come back to normal. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's actually good for the market. So I think there's going to be some really interesting opportunities in, in this particular time. And there's going to be there's going to be a lot of winners and a lot of losers. But, you know, like every great recession, you kind of buy when there's blood in the streets, unfortunately. You know, that's that's the way to do it. So, you know, even the stock market, it's a you don't get these kind of discounts. I think the Nasdaq's off 40, 45 percent of the stage. You know, you don't get these kind of discounts that often. So even publicly traded companies, there's going to be a lot of value. But yeah, I think there's going to, you know, look, opportunities where it's at, you know. So it's like Warren Buffett, you know, was sitting on $150 billion of cash or whatever the number was, and everybody was giving him a hard time a couple of few years ago mm-hmm. and just felt like he was missing the boat. 
Look who's a genius uh, now. I think everybody's looking at him now. Ooh, he's sitting yeah. pretty. He's going shopping. He's going shopping. That's Warren Buffett right there, by the way. So, oh, nice. Yeah, I like it. Are you DCAing right now, or are you just kind of sitting on the sidelines? I am DCAing. I'm uh, just in, mostly on the publicly traded side yeah. and not trying to stock pick too much. Mostly yeah. Nasdaq 100 and S&P 500, just kind of long-term stuff, just picking my spots a little bit. But I still reserve the majority of my assets in private equity. So that's where, that's where I'm focused for sure. Amazing. Well, Josh, I mean, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find out more about you and also Emmy? The Emmy is I-M-M-I, I-M-M-I dot I-O. So our Twitter, that's our Twitter handle as well. It's our Instagram handle. So we'd love to have you guys there. Our studio, AMGI Studios. I would just follow My Pet Hooligan, which is our big our big push into the immersive world, which is twitter.com forward slash My Pet Hooligan, or just look at My Pet Hooligan. You'll have a blast watching that. I'm just on LinkedIn. I, I'm kind of a social media. I don't post much. I don't post anything, actually. I just, I'm just a, just a watcher and reader. So I'm on LinkedIn. My full name is Josh Jenkins Robbins. So you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm the only Jenkins Robbins out there. So <laughs> you'll find me. I love it. By the way, just everyone should check out My Pet Hooligan because to me, it's like a little Fortnite-ish, but it's also a little, it kind of reminds me of some of the games I used to play uh, like when the first PlayStation came out. So it looks cool. And I, I think, you know, it's it's when Josh showed me that, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm seeing some some real utility in this space now. Go check yeah, it out, everyone. Uh, check out Emmy. Josh, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.